Today's Da'af is Tariches. We're holding uh, at the mission about uh, a little more than halfway down on Tzadik Zayin Amad Beis. So we learned yesterday a machlokus between the Chachamim and Rav Shimon. The Chachamim's opinion, the Tanakama's opinion was that a woman can sell with an ad hoc based and she can fast track sale not just for Mizonos, which we said makes sense because she uh, she needs the food, so she doesn't have to go through the bureaucracy and having to get a full-fledged base in, but you could even sell with an ad hoc and, and, and fast-track for Mizonos. But even for Ksuva, we allow her to sell as well. That was the Chachamim Shita. And uh, the Igmar brought down a machlokas, why the Chachamim are, are allowed for Ksuva as well. But a machlokas, Ulan Rabbi Yochanan, one said was in order that... Uh, Husband, the, the, she should uh, find husband, ingratiate the husbands to her, that she should want to marry them knowing that she can cash out in an easier fashion. And that was, I'm going to Ulan of Yochan learned, because a person would not want his wife to be deprecated going through the, uh, the, 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 the full based in process. So we had two different, we had a, a difference was going to be with a Grusha, we had different opinions. Yes, right. But, the, so that was the basic machlokas, whether or not, the basic fundamental machlokas, that when we say that a woman can fast-track selling off property for her needs, is it only for Mazonos, or if is it for uh, Suva as well? So that was the one machlokas. Now we're going to learn the following Mishnah that is going to have... Uh, based on the previous machlokas, there's going to be implications. How do you understand this Mishnah? But basically, let me just explain outside. This way Rashi explains it, that the first part of this Mishnah clearly is going like Rav Shimon. And, the, and, 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 and basically, since it's going like Rav Shimon, we have to take into account that the only thing a woman is allowed to sell for is for Mizono. She's not allowed to sell for her ksuva. But there's another nuance that Rav Shimon holds as well. Rav Shimon holds that unlike the Chachamim that say that a woman is not allowed to uh, sell property or even collect for Mazonos once she has sold off the entire ksuva. If she's sold, uh, basically collected her entire ksuva, then she's no longer allowed to go back to the estate for Mazonos. That everybody agrees to. You got your ksuva, you're done, right? Rav Shimon holds, even if she collects part of her ksuva, collecting part of her ksuva, damaging her ksuva even partially, is considered as if you damaged it completely, and therefore also, she no longer can get Mazonos. Therefore, Based on Rav Shimon, she's no longer allowed to sell property. Because the only right to sell property, according to Rav Shimon, would be for Mazonos. And if partial damage of Ksuva is considered as if she's already out of the parsha of Mizonos, she can no longer sell property anymore, because the only way to sell property would have been for Ksuva. Ksuva she can't do anyway ad hoc. She would have to go through the normal process and she wouldn't be able to fast track. So therefore, that's what we're going to see. So we're going to read this the way Rashi learns the Maskana. Let's take a look. It says as follows. Machruk Suvasa, either she sold the entire Suva, which for sure knocks her out of the Mazonas parish, according to everybody. Or Miktasa, or even if she only sold part for her Suva. Or Mishkan Aksuvasa, she uh, used the Ksuva as a collateral to borrow money. She had uh, put it up as collateral to borrow money. Or Miktasa, she only put up part of the Ksuva for collateral, right, for money. Nasna Ksuvasa she gifted her Ksuva to a third party. Or Miktasa, or part of it was gifted. Lo simkar es hashar She cannot sell the balance unless you go through a basin. And the way Rashi learns is meaning for sure for ksuva purposes she can't sell unless you go to basin because Rav Shimon holds anyway you can't sell any part of your ksuva unless you go through the normal process. But you're not allowed to even sell a balance of the property for mizonos 
which she normally would have been allowed to do, she cannot do anymore. Why? Because he holds once she already sold part of it or gave a part of it or did any part of it for Ksuva, that knocks her out of the parish of being able to collect Mizonos. That is the Tanakhama, this is where Rashi explains it. Chachamim Oimrim, Mecheresi Avil She can sell four or five parcels towards the Ksuva. The key element is, has she been paid up completely? As long as the Ksuva is not paid up completely, she can continue to sell pieces of land for Ksuva. And not only that, they hold, you can fast track for Mizonos, and you can also fast track for Ksuva until what? Until she's paid up completely for the ksuva, right? So she can sell four or five times fast track for the ksuva and even for, uh, for ksuva and then for sure for mazonos. She'll have a basin, fast tracking it, not through the normal bureaucracy of going through the regular basin. And as we learned yesterday, as an Eitzatova, she should make it clear what is being sold for Mazonos and that it's not all being sold for Mazonos because she does not want to become labeled high maintenance. She doesn't want to become labeled as a, as a glutton. So it makes in her best interest that she should identify as part of the sale what was for Mazonos. Now, the Grusha, and we talked about this line yesterday also, a woman that is a Grusha, she then cannot fast track if she's a Grusha. So we said, this could either be going like the Shita of Rab Shimon, because if she's a Grusha, she no longer collects Mazonos, so and the only thing she'll be collecting for is for Ksuva, and Ksuva, according to Rab Shimon, you cannot fast track. Or it could even be going like the Shita of the Tanakhama, the Chachamim. Now, that would depend on the Machlokas between... Ula and Rabbi Yochanan, why we allow her to collect suva? We said that if it's because the husband doesn't want her to become deprecated in Beistin, if she's a grusha, then it can then it wouldn't go like the Chachamim, because what does he care if she's being deprecated in Beistin? But if the reason is in order to ingratiate the men who want to marry her in their eyes, then a kataka fit that could even go like the Tanakama like the too. We discussed this yesterday. Now, says Matnisin Mani, the first part of our Mishnah that seems to say that even if she collected part of the Ksuva, she's no longer allowed to collect Mazonos, and if she's not allowed to collect Mazonos just for Ksuva, she cannot fast track for Ksuva, right? That's going like Rav Shimani, that's going like the opinion of Rav Shimon, right? Now, the sign we learned in Hebrew, if she sold her ksuva, right, completely, or mishkana ksuvasa, or she put it up for collateral completely, right, also ksuvasa apaytaki, apaytaki is actually a super mashkon. It's like, it's not just I'm using it as collateral in case something happens and you'll come collect from here. It's potaka, this is where you need to collect payment from. So it's a hyper uh, collateral, basically. But either way, if it was done uh, uh, to, an, uh, to another person, but on the full amount of the ksuva, this is the Tanakama, on the full amount of the ksuva, then she loses Amazonas. Why? Because she has used the full amount, she's collected the full amount of the ksuva. It would only be a portion of the ksuva would not be problematic. She could still get mazonas. But the Tanakama, either you have the Girsi of Divra Meir, some just don't have it, it's just the Chachamim Shita, is basically until she's paid up the full ksuva, she still has a right to collect mazonos, and therefore she can fast track for the sale of mazonos, and according to Chachamim from yesterday, even for, for ksuva. Rav Shimon, I met the Rav Shimon Shita is Avabishal Machro, Vulamishkan Uksivosa, Ella Machit Machitsos, Machtsisol, Machtsiso, even if she only got part of it, half of it. At that point in time, of the Mazonosea, she's out of the parish of Mazonos because a partial payment of Ksuva, a partial damage, damaging the Ksuva is in the Chachamim's eyes as if she has now collected her Ksuva, even though she still has a right to collect the balance. But all of that now is going to be done through Beistin. She's no longer allowed to collect on her Mazonos. Partial damage of the ksuva is considered like a full damage, a full collection in their eyes, and you no longer have right to mazonas. 
So when it says over here, this is a very interesting uh, uh, per, uh, question that one is going to be asking. You want to say, if you, if you step back and look at this from a philosophical standpoint, right, we know the Torah says, uh, alludes to Ksuva, right? There's a big shadow where the Ksuva is only the Rabbana, the Raisa, but there's an allusion to Ksuva in the Torah that it talks about when a person either rapes or he, uh, uh, he, 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 he uh, seduces a Nara, so it says you have to pay mar 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 kesef mar basulos. You have to pay the 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 the, uh, the normal amount that's normally paid for basulos. But it refers to this concept of kesef mar basulos. Now, what it seems to be over here, if you just step back for a moment, the chachamim hold that partial payment of the ksuva, right? Which means you've damaged the ksuva liability or obligation partially is not considered to be viewed as damaging it completely, which therefore allows her still to do what? Collect what? Mazonos. She can still get Mazonos. Whereas, that's the Chachamim Shita. Whereas, Rab Shimon's position is partial damage is viewed as if you damage the ksuva completely, and if you've damaged the ksuva completely, we don't allow for mezonos, right? So now the Gemara is going to bring down that this seems to be in direct contradiction to another machlokas. Now that seems to be from left field, but listen to what it's saying. is We know the halacha is that a kohen gadol has to marry a besula. Unlike a regular Kohen, a Kohen has to marry a Basula. A regular Kohen is a, does not have, she doesn't have to be a Basula, she just can't be a Grusha, right? But she, but, but the Maisa, he can marry someone that's not a Basula. But a regular Kohen, I mean, a Kohen God has to marry a Basula. Now, there is the following, uh, Machlokas. A woman, when she goes past the age of twelve and a half, she's got this title of a Bogeris. A Bogeris, there is a natural diminishing of Basulim. As the woman gets older, there is a natural dis- diminishing of uh, Basulim. And so there is a Machlokas Tanoyim. Is a Kohen Gadol allowed to marry a, uh, a Bogeris? Does she have to be specifically a Nara? Or can she even be a Bogeris? What's the Machlokas? Well, she's already, the Basulim have become partially damaged. Why they partially diminished? Now, but there actually, who holds what? The Chachamim Shita is that partially damaged is no longer a Basula. That means partial is considered like completely damaged. Whereas according to Rav Shimon, partial is still okay. So the Gemara is asking, they seem to be, dis- they seem to be contradicting the opposition of when the Torah says something cannot be damaged, is partial like whole. And over here, Paksuva is saying over here, Partial is considered like whole according to Shimon, whereas according to the Chachamim, partial is not considered like whole. And there, the Machloikas is exactly the position of the switched around. Yeah, that's the Morris question. So let's read this inside. Salamayim so raw that if you analyze the machlokas here, what we seem to be saying is that according to Shimon, Savar, Dulamir, makes us kesev a kesev. That when the Torah says kesev mar basula, the Torah says there has to be a ksuva. We don't say that. If part of it is intact, it's considered all intact. If part of it's conta- is, is been damaged, it's considered all damaged. We don't say since part is still intact, it's okay. No, we don't say that. By Ksuva. And the Rabban and the Tanakama hold Sabri Amir, mixes Kesuka As long as part of the Kesev, Mar Basulas, as long as part of the Ksuva is still intact, it's still viewed as the Iksuva is in its entirety intact, which means you're still allowed to continue getting Mizonos from the estate. We find exactly the opposite. Where do we find the sign of the It says that the Kohen has to marry a woman in the state of being a Basula. The Tanakam, which is the Chachamim Shita hold, that, that is to the exclusion of a Bagaris, that a Kohen Gadol is not allowed to marry a Bagaris. Why? Because she's not completely intact. Partially intact is considered completely damaged. Uh, uh, right? Uh, partially damaged is completely, completely damaged. So don't say the part intact makes it like a complete Basula. No. And Rabbi Leather of Shimon, your Shimon is the key piece here. Mark Shirin, Bogeras, that here, that there, they allow a Bogeras, even though she's partially damaged, but she's partially intact. It's okay. She's considered to be a full Basula. So therefore, the Gemara asks that the Svaras seem to be exactly the opposite. 
answers the Gemara like this. The Machlokas over here is not contradicting the Machlokas. Actually, it supports. Because the question is what the frame of reference would be. Tabaik Suva, the frame of reference is something, according to the Rav Shimon, something that is partially damaged is completely damaged. Partially intact, they're not completely, completely uh, intact. That is his position. But over there, that, that could be the starting reference, but it's based on how you dodge on the psukim. What do you do with the information you start with? And that's why the machlokas comes out over there. So it's not a, mach, it's not a contradiction philosophically. The position of where they start perspective-wise is the same, but based on the drushes of how you dodge on the psukim, that's why the machlokas comes out. It looks like it's contradicting, but it's not at all contradicting. How so? Let's see. So Asa Mekroyplik, they're actually they're arguing in psukim. Rab Meir Sabar, Rab Meir starts off. The Torah says Kohen Gadol has to marry a Basula. Now, look, starting with Rav Meir, as long as she's a partial Basula, what would you assume? Partial is considered like intact. That's his starting position according to Rav Meir. That's a Tanakhama, right? Right. I feel a mix as Basulim. But the Torah doesn't say Isha Basula. It says Basuleha. There is at the end the, 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 the suffix it adds Basuleho. Why does it add Basuleho? To tell you that no, partial is not enough. She has to be a complete Basula. And if she has to be a complete Basula, that knocks out if she is a... Bagaris, because of Bagaris not, so therefore you, the position you would have started with would be, yes, partial is okay and Bagaris would have been okay, but since it adds on Basuleho, that tells me, no, her, it was Sulim have to be completely intact. Adigakula Basulim, right, which knocks out of Bagaris, alright? Now, there is actually two extra drushes in the word Bifsuleho. There's the Yudhe at the end, the possessive, which is, we already said what Rav Meir does, but at the beginning, why is it Biv Suleha? Isha Bisuleha. What do you mean Biv Suleha? So he learns out, that teaches me Biv Suleha, it tells you that she has to be a complete Basula in the place of where the Basulim normally are. Right? But a Biv Suleha even though halachically it's considered to be a uh, an intercourse, but it's not the place where the normal basulim are. And therefore, it comes out very interesting that a Kohen Gadol, although her basulim have to be intact, but if this woman has had Bir Shalokadarka, it doesn't disqualify her because Bir Shalokadarka means it's only the place where it has to be intact is the place of where the basulim normally are. That is how Rameyer understands. Bir Shalokadarka is the Kadarka in Shalokadarka Lo. And, and, and Rashi explains it because you might have thought that if a Bogeres is no good, Kalvachomer, right, that's why you have the extra drasha, tell me no, Shalokadarka is okay, even though Bogeres is no good. That's how we come out using the Psukim, according to Rav Meir, which comes out at the end, that a Bogeres is no good, even though partially she's okay, it's considered no good. What about Rav Rav Shimon? They actually look at it from a different perspective. Besula, according to their understanding, would be happy completely intact because partial is considered like completely damaged so therefore but the Torah never just wrote the word Basula it wrote Basuleho what's Basuleho that Basuleho means it's possessive she has to be completely intact as to who she is and what she has and therefore Bulgaris is completely intact for a Bulgaris which therefore they come out now that the Torah is actually telling me that a Bulgaris is okay I feel a mix of basulim to tell me that even partial basulim by the Bulgaris would be okay. Well, now, if Bulgaris is okay, what might you have thought? You would have thought that Bir Shalokadarka would also be okay, right? Basarabh comes along the base in the beginning, tell you no. Is that no? That's, that Drosha is telling me is that even though we say that a Bulgaris is okay, but Bir Shalokadarka is no, not okay. And so the Bivsulah tells me that all the Bivsulim have to be intact as to what would be possible to be intact. It means there could not have been an intercourse. So it's one thing to say that a Bulgaris is okay because we consider whatever she has intact. But a Bivsulah is not okay because she's already had an intercourse. So therefore, whether she lost the Bivsulah Kadarka, Bivsulah it is not okay. Bottom line is, it comes out that we're not saying philosophically that these are contradictory positions. 
that actually they supports the philosophy of what we're saying here because that's the starting point from the drosha which the result on how you dash in the psukim end up where they end up over there. Let's go back to there was a woman that seized a silver goblet for her ksuva. I guess she was afraid maybe she wouldn't get paid her ksuva. And she took partial payment of her ksuva, a silver goblet. Then, katava mezona, but she still wanted to collect mezonos. The Yusolman said, well, once you already took for partial ksuva, right, should be no mezonos. Now, that's the sheet of Rab Shimon. Because the Chachamim would hold... She could still continue to get Mizonos. So Azaka made the rubber. They came to rubber the dying to Paskin. So what happened over here was is that um Amalahu so he told the Yasomim, Zilu Habula Mizonos. You still have to give him his onus. Why? Because lays the Rab Shimon, because no one uh, is no one halachically is concerned for the position of Rab Shimon to Amar Lo Amrina Mixus Kesev Gachol Kesev. Who the Amar Lo Amrina Mixus Kesev Gachol Kesev. That he does not hold that if part of the Kesev is intact, it's like all intact. That's not his position. That's the Chachamim Shita. But we don't pass in like him. We pass in the Chachamim. So even though she took part of it, it's still considered like the full Suba is still intact, and therefore. What you're still obligated to give her mezonos. Fine. Shalach le Rabba bereid the Rabba the Rab Yosef. Moicheres shalevet based in tzricheshvua ain tzricheshvua. So what happens if a woman uh, did not uh, go through the bureaucracy, the normal procedures, the red tape of selling and based in, and she sold off a property? Using an ad hoc based in, had it assessed quickly, and then went ahead and sold it. Does she still have to make a shvua when she comes back to the orphans? Now, you were showing him speak out of you. We're not talking about, there is an oath that's made that she owes the orphans that your father did not pay me up during his lifetime. That for sure, there's a shvua that you have to take. We're not discussing that. We're talking about over here that what happens if, sometimes we know that even if there's an assessed amount, sometimes there's a number of people bidding and you're actually able to even get more than what the assessed amount is. So what they basically asking, did you get exactly what the assessed amount is or maybe you got more? Because if you got more, then we should be able to count that Either we should take it back or count it for the, for more of your ksuva if the full ksuva has not been paid up or for your mazonas, whatever it is. Can they make or take that oath or not? So Mona says like this. So they have a tzrikashvua and a tzrikashvua. So Mona says like this. If you're concerned that they get the full amount of what they should be getting, so why are you only asking Lagabe, should she make a shvur to ensure that the process was on the up and up and what she ended up getting was the really what the was assessed for? Why don't you ask better? Should there be a hachraza? We know that usually when property is uh, being sold off, you usually have to have a 30-day hachraza. They used to have a public announcement saying that we're selling this property to allow bidders for 30 days to come in. By announcing it and you've got uh, uh, bidders coming in, what does that do? It gives you the, it's the fairest way of doing it. So if you're really concerned about, is the, are they, the, 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 the summer being yielded fairly, why don't you ask, what about, is there the second shvua that they, she needs to meet? Why don't you ask questions? Should we be going through the achraza, the announcing process or not, right? So why is it like this? But you buy a lot of Why don't you ask the Shiloh, do you need to have the Achroza or not? So I'm a lay. So, um, the, the, uh, so, uh, uh, so, so, uh, so answered, uh, Rabbi Yosef. He said to him, I'm not, I, I never had a Shiloh about Achroza. Achroza looked me bailey. It was partial to me that there is no need for Achroza. Again, we're fast tracking. To make there have to be Achroza for 30 days, that makes sense that it's not going to be Achroza. But how do I know that that's the case? So, I'm Rav Zeyra, I'm Rav Nachman. That what happens in a case like this, right? A case is that a woman uh, sold a property, she, sold, she, she had it uh, assessed, and she says, uh, you know what, I'll pick it up. I'm going to move in. Nice piece of property. I'm going to build a house in it. So instead of selling it to other people, she, she said, I'm going to go ahead and buy it myself. Right? So, so, like, so therefore, that's not a valid sale. 
It's not a valid sale. Right? Now, why not? Why is it not a valid sale? Right? So maybe because you're afraid of home cooking, right? You're afraid that, uh, right, that maybe it's not on the up and up. So, what's the case? If there was a chrozo, let's say there was a chrozo, and the highest amount that was bid, she's willing to match, then the then chorah what? Why should she not be able to throw her hat in the ring? So it says, Am I Why should she not? Has come to nothing. Elalav must be talking about the reason that it wasn't, it's not allowed is because there was no hachraza. But you see that even though there was no hachraza, it's only not allowed if what? If she's the one who says, I'll pick it up. But if somebody else, then, then Lachara would seem to be okay. So therefore, it's only no good when she does it for herself. But if it's done for other people, then what was done works. So you see, I, so therefore, I know Pasha, you don't need Akhraza. My only Shaila is, does she have to take a Shvua that everything was done legitimately? But Akhraza is not necessary. It's says that's not a Raya. Laolam de Akhraza. Maybe the Chorah, maybe you do need Hachroza. We have to have some level, some kind of Hachroza. But the Amrilah, Man Sham Lech. And what is an interesting thing? Meaning like this. Is that the issue over here wasn't uh, that there was no Hachroza. There was Hachroza. So Yair said, well, there's Hachroza. Why can't she throw a hat in the ring? The reason she cannot throw a hat in the ring is because mechanically it doesn't work. An agent, she's functioning as an agent for who? For this. An agent cannot become a buyer. If you are an agent, so therefore you can sell, but the seller cannot be the buyer. Who is the third party that's assessing it to sell to her? Meaning, one thing, the reason why it doesn't work is the mechanics don't work. Not because there's a problem of trust or whatever it is. If you're functioning as an agent, you cannot be a buyer. Now, and, and the one's going to bring a rifle. But this has our Lokik Nafkaminas. There was a Shiloh brought down. I remember last cycle. I think I saw it. I said it over the name of Rabchan Kanyevsky. The Shiloh was, but this happens, by the way, all the time. You put a house on the market. You have an agent. Right? What happened was, that agent came back to the seller and said, listen, I'm having a tough time selling it. Right? It's, you asked him two million for it. 1.8, I can get it done. The seller says, okay, fine, go ahead and put it on for 1.8. The buyer, the, the agent, bought it himself, and then a week later flipped it for 2.1. Right? So you can't do that. Why? Because an agent cannot function as a buyer. It's not even because of the underhandedness of it, but in terms of mechanics of a Kenyan, it has to be. That's why it doesn't work. But it could be, therefore, there could be a Chroza. So therefore, it might, that, and that's the only reason it doesn't work. So therefore, it might be that you need a Chroza. By Shalais, you also need a Shvua. That was the question that Rabbi was asking, Rabbi Barabbara, uh, Rabbi was asking Rabbi Yosef. So therefore, Kihai, like Gahugava, like the example, the following case, the They deposited by him. He was watching Kisid Yasmi. Rajan Kisid means it was fodder, it was animal food or, or coral, like you know uh, you find in the oceans. Coral. So he was watching it, watching this asset for the assignment. He went and he had it assessed legitimately for four hundred zoos. And what happened was, he said, I'll pick it up for 400 zoos. And what happened is, after that was done, the market went up. So now it's worth 600 zoos. Right? But he said, listen, I, I, no one knew it was going to go up. I just, I took it off the hands of the assignment. I went and I purchased it myself. So I could, man went up to 600. So I was of Ami. They went to Rav Ami and they asked, because obviously the orphans were saying, what? Give us, give us back the asset. We want to sell it for six hundred. So Amalei, Man Shamloch. They told you were functioning as an agent. You were watching it for them. If you are watching it for them, you are a function of the seller. You cannot be a function of a buyer, and therefore it's not a good sale. And they have a right now to get six hundred for that asset. So what's the halacha l'maisim? The halacha is that the, the estate can ask a woman that fast-tracked 
a, a piece of property to take an oath that it was done legitimately and should not get any extra money more than what they were aware of. And you don't need to go through the 30 day announcing process. That is not necessary. So that's not law for but Let's go to the next Mishnah. So here we have seemingly a contradictory ruling. The Gemara will discuss it. So we have here a woman had a suva that's worth 200. Alright? Now, she went and took a parcel of land that's worth 100. It's worth 100. Basically, market price, it was assessed at 100. She's a hungler and she was able to sell it for 200. Right? The question is, so now, obviously, what is she saying? She's saying is the property was only worth 100 and therefore only 100 of my suva's been satisfied. But the extra 100 is, I should be able to pocket that because bottom line is, that was my efforts that got it, right? So therefore, so a piece of property which was worth only 100, she sold the Messiah, right? Or the other way around. Let's say a piece of property is worth 200, but she was a, uh, Schwache, uh, a sales, uh, salesperson, and she only was able to get for it, uh, it was worth 200, she only got for the mana. From the estate standpoint, in both scenarios, they no longer owe Ksuvo. Right? So in the, in, the, in, in the first case, you got your 200. So what? You only sold 100. You got your 200. And in the second case is, we gave you a property of 200. The fact you'll only be able to uh, spin it off for one, that's your problem. But we gave you 200, you're paid off. Right? Now, it seems to be somewhat contradictory. Why? Because if the bottom line is, whatever you receive, that's what should count, then in the first case, I understand you want to hold that for 200, but in the second case, okay, then you should only hold the account for 100. Then you say, okay, fine, so let's focus on what the actual property was worth in the second case. It was worth 200, you're writing off 200. But in the first case, the property was only worth 100. Why are you writing off 200? You should only be writing off 100. That, the Gemara is going to ask, that they don't seem to shim. They, the two cases do not seem to align. Now, now, the case over here was, the Ksuba was only a hundred, Zeus. And she went, and she overstepped. She took property that was more than one hundred, right? She took property that was, uh, 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 uh was a hundred Zeus plus one Dina. Right? So she took, like, an extra sliver of property, and the only thing is, she only collected one hundred. Bimana, alright? Now, there's two ways to look at this. On one hand, she overstepped the right to take the property that she took, so therefore that should be a Mecca uh, toast. So if it's a Mecca toast, now obviously where's it going to make a difference? Let's say uh, a week later the property goes up, right? So now, the, from the standpoint of the, of the estate, it's a Mecca toast, and all, the entire property goes back to the estate. Whereas, let's say the buyer says, listen, I, I don't need it to be a mechachtos. I'll give you back that extra sliver of property, right, that's worth the extra dinar, and I'll hold on to the mana, and then it comes out that that should be okay. What is the ruling of the Chachamim? Machra bottle is that no, since she overstepped in what she was allowed to sell, that negates the entire sale. Even if she says, I'll pay them, I'll pay up the loss. That extra sliver of property was worth a dinar. I'll pay them up that extra dinar. Right? Either way, it doesn't matter. Even if she's willing to compensate them for that extra sliver of land, since she overstepped, what's the halacha? The entire sale is voided. And that could cut not come in as if the price of property obviously went up and into. Rav Shemim Gamliel Aymer, Rav Shemim Gamliel says, that the mecher is considered to be a valid mecher. The only time the mecher will not be considered to be a mecher, a valid mecher, the only, really what it depends on 
is what amount of land was the excess. Right? If the amount of land that was the excess was a property that could you could plant nine kavim of seed. So if it's a property of nine kavim of seed, that's when the laws of onah, the laws of overcharging, will kick in to void the sale. Because your mamish took like a separate piece of property. But if it's only a little sliver that cannot be sold independent, right? So then in such a case, just give back the excess amount. Now, Rashi says something very interesting. He says that the way it's calculated, either the property itself was the hundred zoos plus a imamish, a, a, a piece of property that was nine, an extra, an, an extra, could nine copy nine, or even if it wasn't large enough, but it abutted, it was adjacent to another property that was owned by the orphans, then when you put the two together, it could have been a nine copy property. Either way, that voids the sale. Because they can say, hey, you bombed took two, pro- two properties from us. But if the sliver is so inconsequential that it would not normally be an ONA, would not be an overcharge, you know, then in such a case, then you can pay back whatever that is valued and the sale will still go through. So therefore, Bastishakov and Ovagina, if it, let's say it wasn't a, a, a grain field, but it was a vegetable garden, Bastishakov, that's if it's a half a cup addition, I believe it's a, a, a half a cup, that will knock off the sale. And Rabbi Akiva holds Basrova, a quarter of a cup is considered independent and, and, um, the laws of usury, the laws of Ono would kick in and it would be, uh, 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 not know what's it called gouging. What is Ono translated as? Uh, Price gouging. Price That's where and would void the entire sale. If it's less than that, you can pay up the extra amount and it would be okay. Now, now, last case. Let's say that suva that she had was worth four hundred zuz. Umachra mono. She took a parcel of land and split it up. All right into four pieces. So the first one, she took a, an appropriate piece and sold it for 100. The second parcel, she sold for the other 100. Alright? Now, what happened was, so each one got out of the first three parcels was sold okay. It's just she messed up on the last parcel. In the last parcel, she overstepped and she took a sliver of, she took a, 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 a piece of property that was really more a hundred zoos plus a dinar. Right? And that's the one that would void the sale. So now what's the halach over there? And that's the one she sold for a hundred zuz, even though the actual amount of property was a hundred and a dinar. So the shalachan bottle so The only sale that's voided is that last parcel. Even though initially it was one large property, but since she made it into four separate transactions, it only messes up the last transaction. The first three were, were legit. So therefore that doesn't get messed up. The only one that returns is that last one. We don't say. Well, the we'll discuss this case more in depth and what the chiddush is of this case. So let's go weiter. So now the Gemara wants to know the, 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 the first case, right? So uh, the, the case over there was that uh, if she sold to a, 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 a field that's worth 200 for 100. So we said over there, the Allah is that can say, you can write off the hoax of his pain. So, they say to you, you caused us to lose a, a, a worth of a mana. And since you caused us to lose a worth of a mana, therefore what? Therefore, it's on you, not on us. We gave you a property that was worth the full amount, so you gotta take the loss. So then, so then, mana, uh, 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 right. So that's, that's, you caused us the loss, therefore you write it off. So, that's how you read it. So when it's worth a hundred and she got two hundred, what should be the halacha over there? Nami tema, she should say is, ana arvachna, 
I was able to uh, get more than its uh, value, so you shouldn't be writing off my full 200. You should only write off what the actual value of the property is. Just as you wrote it off what the actual property was when you lost the 100, so then I gained the extra 100. I should be able to keep that extra 100 because I gained it. It should go both ways. Well, it should go both ways. So I'm Rav Nachman, I'm Rabbi Ravua. So Rabbi Nachman said in the name of Rabbi Ravua, Kan Shona Rebbe, that, the, that based on this Mishnah, Rebbe taught us the following principle. Hakol Balamos is that when money is made, even if there's an agent involved, but you accrue it to the owner of the asset. I mean, the person who owns the principle. So if you make above the principle... That is accrued. At the end of the day, why is it being accrued? Because of the principle. Therefore, the one who has a right to claim it is not the agent. The agent's arguing was my efforts. But the principle said, without my principle, you wouldn't have had it. Therefore, the one who has a right to claim it is the, is who? The state. Is the state. The state is the one that has the right to claim it. The state, right. So, Kedestanya, and where it brings a, 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 a brysa that actually shows it's a machlokas tanoyim. Hosifalo achas yaseira hakol I mean, the case over here is, uh, let's say we have, you go into, uh, Dunkin' Donuts, and somebody gave you money, go get me a dozen donuts. And you go in there, so because you bought a dozen donuts, they throw in, an extra. an extra one. Who keeps that one? Right? So therefore, Hakola Shliach, Divir Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yehuda said, they are viewing you as the one who came in, and you're the one, that, so their customer service is being done for the Shliach. The Shliach gets to keep the extra donut. That's Rabbi Yehuda. Rabbi Yosi Amar Cholkin, he says, no, it has to be split 50-50. Alright? So now, the Gemara is going to ask, oh yeah, 50-50 seems to say it's a suffix. Should we give it to the shliach? Because it's his effort, right? He's got the customer service to make him happy. On the other hand, the principle is from the mishaleach. So then, but he says split the donut. That should be split in half. I said the Gemara, we have another brysa where Rabbi Yossi says that it actually goes like Rebbe's case. That it says that it goes to the guy who owns the principal. That's who's the one who gets everything. So how do we reconcile Rabbi Yossi over there said it goes to the guy who owns the asset, not to the agent, right? And here he says 50-50. So Amar Rabbi Barachama Lekash, it's not difficult. Depends on what kind of an asset it is. If it's something that's cut and dry, like donuts, we know the price. The purchase price, right, for donuts is an exact amount. So when it's a purchase by the exact amount, there you could argue, are they giving it because their intent is for the person who paid for the 12, for the, for the, for the 12, or is it because they want to show customer service to the agent? So that's when Reb Yossi said it's not clear, so what should you do? 50-50. However, in cases where there's something Rashi brings down like materials and, 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 and silks, that's based on assessment. Assessment's not exact. People sometimes pay a little more, sometimes they pay a little less. Therefore, when extra is thrown in on something that is not a clear-cut amount, there you don't have a right to say, well, let's give half of it to the agent. Because it's very possible that the extra money that's being kicked in is to, is to, is to make happy the owner. So that's where it all goes to the owner. And Rashi, and, and Rashi points out, and the case of Rebbe, that where we said that the two on go, that, that is, that's real estate. Real estate also is not, this, you go onto any, any website, like Zillow, you're gonna see different amounts, right? Because it's not a clear cut, oh, that's exactly what it's worth. So therefore, up to 50% there's no unknown. So in such a case, really, when it's, when she is able to pull in 200, for something that initially was assessed at 100, it's, there it's not clear. It might actually be because that's not just a bonus or addition that should go to the agent. That could be what the people view it as and what it's valued. And if that's what they view it as valued, that's why in such a case it actually goes... So where it is clear-cut and there is a good chance it might be given because of the actions of the agent, then you go 50-50. But where it's clear, it's not clear, and then you have to say that it's very possible it came because of the principle, then you have to give it to the owner, you cannot give it to the agent. That's the ruling that is made over here. So, so everybody agrees that it never goes totally to the Shariah. 
Is it either 50-50 or it goes to the owner? Well, no, because uh, in the case of the donut, there was the Tanakama over there was... Uh, 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 Rabbi Yehuda said, I call the Shaliyah. He said, it does go to the Shaliyah. All right. So more I say it like this. So, Lord Kasha. Kan Badavash Yeshla Kitzva, Kan Badavash Yeshla Kitzva. It depends on something that has a clear cut. Something that's like, 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 uh, like Roger brings down beans or whatever it is, legumes, that has a clear cut amount. So in such a case, that's where you say 50-50. On things that you don't have a clear cut amount, that's where it all goes to the person who owns the, uh, the, uh, the equity. Alright. Amara Papa. Hilchasa Davish Yeshla Kitzva Cholkin. That's how he rules. Something that has a clear set, a set amount. That is where it's divided 50-50 between the agent and the owner. Like real estate, like garments. Then it goes to the owner of the equity, the person who owns the principal. So when is it Micah Malan? Why is Rapapa ruling that? We just said that. We just explained that that's before. So why does he have to say it? Because sometimes when you ask a question and an answer is given, it might be like theoretical. I'm playing devil's advocate. But it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the halacha. But he's telling you, no, that distinction is the halach, and that's how he passed it. Shinui de Shanina and Shinui Yehu. The answer we gave is a valid answer. Iboilu, the Bnei Yeshiva asked the following Shiloh. Now, the case is like this. Amar Lay, let's say the, uh, the, the landowner told the agent, Zavin li Lischa, go and sell a half an acre. Lischa is a half a kur, right? Go sell a half a kur at this amount. He gave him the exact amount that he wanted to sell it. Now, this guy overstepped. Instead of selling a half a kur, he sold a full acre. Now, he got double the amount of money. He got the full amount, right? Now, what the question is going to be is, do we say that the amount that was the correct amount, the half, that's the valid sale, and the only thing that's voided is the second half, a second acre, right, the second half, right? Or does the landowner have a right to say, you overstepped what I told you to do, and therefore what should be voided over here is what? Wholesale. The wholesale is voided. Now obviously again, it's going to make a difference where the buyer says, no, I want to keep on to, I, I'm willing to hold on to the half. Right? Right? That's going to be the question. So, Ba'azal Zavin Lay Kura, and he went and sold a full, two lesser, say, full Kura. My, Moses al Devarav, he just added to the words of the Mishaleach, right? Belischa Miyakani, and the first half of the sale, the first lesser is a good sale, the half an acre is a good sale. Or Dilva Mabel Dvarav, who you have violated the agency by not following the instruction to a T, and since you were Mabel Dvarav, you violated the instruction, Belischa Namilakani, even the first half. The half acre, the half, the lesser, the half a kur is also voided. So what's the halacha? Samora so brings down an interesting proof. Samora says like this, we know the halacha is that if you send a person to do something for you that's an Aveira, there's no agency by Aveira, right? If you send someone to do Aveira, who's the Aveira saddled with? Oh, oh, the person who did it? The person who did it. No, because the word brings out it's it's on on you, it's not on me, but anyway, the only exception to that is me'ilah. The only exception is me'ilah. Me'ilah is if you send somebody to, to like, go ahead and feed them a steak, and you didn't realize, and he didn't realize, that that steak happens to be hegdish. Right? It's a misappropriation of hegdish, that in such a case, the sender is responsible, not the agent, right? Well, however, let's say you sent him to go give a steak, and he went ahead and he gave a piece of liver, right? In such a case where he deviated from, then he's responsible, not me, because he deviated from the agency, it's on him, not me. That's for sure. Now, we're going to have a following scenario. What happens if the case is like this? I said to him, listen, I got guests. Go into my fridge and take them out, give them each one steak. Alright? Now, if that's what he would have done and followed it to a T, the person who has to, when you do by the Mila, I have to bring a Corbin, I have to pay back the principal plus a fifth, that would have been on the homeowner because you basically gave instruction and it goes back to you. Right? Now what happened was, he gave each of them three steaks. Alright? What happened? He gave each two and then they liked it when they took the third one themselves. The Allah, the mission is going to say over here, each one is over Me'ilah. 
Each one is going to bring a korban. Why? The first day he was instructed to give. The second one he overstepped and did on his own. The third one they took on their own. All three had to be. What do you see though when an instruction is an overstepping on instruction? We don't say that the whole instruction is thrown out. Because if that would be the case, then the homeowner would not have to be chayav me'ila at all. The fact that you went above and beyond, so you see, we don't say the agency is nullified. That's the more once in the right. So here too, when you sold an acre instead of half an acre, the first half should still be a valid agency. That's the proof one it brings. So you want to say it like this. So I'm Rav Yaakov Menarka B'Kai Mishmei the Ravi. Natasha Makamid listen. I'm Rav Balabai Yis L'Shucha. The Balabai told the agent, Tain Lahen Chaticha L'Orchim. Go give them one stake to the guest. Vu Amar Omer Tlushan, and he told them each to take two. The Hain Not L'Shalot, and they ended up taking three. Kul and Malu. Every one of them is over Meila, right? So now, if you say that an agency where you do more than what the instruction was, it's just viewed as adding. It doesn't negate the agency. It's just added. And the only part that's negated is the part that was added, but not the primary part of the agency. That's why the homeowner also, for the first stake, is considered to have violated. But that you say, once you went above and beyond, you have now violated the entire agency, and the whole agency is thrown out, so then, uh, so therefore, then balabais are my mouth, and why is the home on a five on the first day? Right? Fatsanan, did we not learn, that if a shliach does the agency, only then the balabais is considered to have misappropriated his chayah. But if he did not do the agency, you tell him, you told him to give him uh, a uh, steak, and he gave liver, so therefore the shliach is mal. So therefore it's considered like a complete violation of the agency. The agent should be responsible, not the mishaleah. So one says that, no. Because what happened was like this is that what he told them was this. He said, the homeowner says, I can only give you one. He said, I should give you one. I am going to take responsibility. I'll give you the second one. And then they took a third one. Now, in such a case, he made it clear that the two were not from the homeowner. Only one. So in such a case, that's going to be on the Mashaleah for the first one, on the Shliah for the second one, and on the, on, on, on the guests for the third one. So what is Ahmad Askinah? The Amr Lahu, Tulu Akas Midaita. One is what he says is okay for you to take. Shobala Bais. Ba'akas Midaiti. One is, I'm telling you it's okay. But they ended up taking three. So in such a case, that's why each party is responsible. We haven't answered our shayla, which we're going to deal with tomorrow. But what about our case, where he told you sell an, half an acre, and you went and sold the whole acre, right? In such a case, it could be since you violated, you overstepped on the second half, it's considered to be the agency is nullified altogether, and the entire case is off. That we still haven't have a raya one way or the other. Don't want to stop